Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. That, uh, when we look at Mother's Day, we, we just think of mothers that have children. But if we look in the Bible, mo- the word mother means a lot more than women that have children. It means so much more than that. And today I want to celebrate the full use of the word mother. Is that okay? And those of you who are gentlemen in the service today... That doesn't exclude you. Don't go into your uh, nothing box in your brain this morning. Uh, do you know that men have a nothing box in their brain? Yes. Yes. I'm so jealous. I have to talk to God when I get home because why would God give men a nothing box where they can go to and women have an everything box in every side of their brain that never shuts off? I mean, we just have to talk about that with God one day, but I'm asking all the men in the room, I can see some of them now, they've got that glazed look in their eye, they're they're looking at me, but they are not here, so come out, come out, wherever you are, and it's Mother's Day, yes, but it's okay, you can sit in your masculinity and learn something about the women in your world, because my husband knew, uh, as a father to four daughters, a wife to one woman, a grandfather to three granddaughters, like he got one grandson in the mix, but he had to find out what makes women tick real quick. Amen? And there were some crazy days in our house. And actually, we were in our house yesterday, and it was like, you know, there was just like women all hormonal all over the place. And, you know, and uh, my son-in-law, Garth Ball, who, by the way, that Jamie and Garth are still here for a little while because of medical reasons. So just to let you know, they're going home this week, but they've been here extended for some medical reasons. So you can pray for them, for, for their health, and that God will continue to work in their lives. But Garth was sitting in my lounge room. You know, he's visiting us. And there was just women everywhere, Evan. And you know what it feels like, too. You come to my house, it's just women everywhere. But everybody was, like... Everyone had their periods, really. And, uh, and they're all like so hormonal. And um, as I was walking through, I turned around to Garth. I said, pray for sons. <laughs> just, pray. <laughs> just pray for sons. Make your life a lot easier. So all the men here, I want to help you to understand the women in your life as well. Not just your mothers, your sisters, your cousins, the women at work, your boss. Uh, wherever you, wherever you uh, meet with women, you need to somehow understand them, okay? So travel with me this morning. You know, the first time that we see the mother, the word mother in the scriptures is actually in, right in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3.20, where Eve is presented to Adam and he names her Eve. And the scriptures say, Eve, which means the mother of all living. The mother of all living. So she was given authority as a woman to actually be a mother over everything that lives. 
plants and animals, babies, people. She was, she was given the authority to be a mother over all things. There's a beautiful mother right now. Everyone say, good morning, Fleur. <laughs> and, and a mother that I want to really, really point out to you that really displays this kind of motherhood in the scriptures is a woman called Deborah. And in uh, Judges 5-7, we see this scripture, village life ceased until I, Deborah, arose a mother over Israel. I want to give you a bit of background here about what happened before Deborah came on the scene. So who's seen the movie um, The Ten Commandments? All right, you're all too young. But you've seen a movie with Moses. Anybody seen a movie with Moses in it? So you saw what happened with Moses, that he went and he, he, he rescued the Israelites out of captivity He's a deliverer that was used by God, but God gave him many, many signs and wonders to take the people out of captivity. And the people saw God do amazing things. I mean, the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues, and the, the water from a rock, and the manna from heaven. And they just saw God in, in incredible ways through Moses. But we as human beings have always got a tendency to forget we forget what God has done and we forget what God is doing and we slip back into our state of complaining, whinging and our normal life. We go back to this small world that we live in and we forget the grandeur of God. Moses continually had to remind the people of God and they would sin again and they would whinge again and then he would lead them again and he would lead them again. And in Moses' reign, he mentored a great man called Joshua, who knows Joshua? No one? No one knows? You're all gone into your nothing boxes. Come back. Um, so Joshua was mentored by Moses, and Moses, he walked very close with Moses, watched Moses, watched everything he did so that he would be a leader like Moses to the people of God. And as Moses was dying, he passed the baton on to Joshua and said, Joshua, it's yours now. You take the people into the promised land. I can't take them into the promised land. So Joshua rises up. He's a great leader. He takes the people into the promised land. He's leading the people. But Joshua does one thing that Moses, he doesn't do one thing that Moses did, and that is this. He didn't raise up another person underneath him. That's a sad day. That's a really sad day. And, and so the people in the promised land, and Joshua's getting old, and then we come to this scripture in Judges 2.10, and it says this, this sad scripture. After the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, in other words, that generation died off, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they worshipped Baals, which is false gods. They forsook the Lord the God of their fathers who brought them out of Egypt. And so we come to a place now where the people are just left to their own devices. They don't have a leader. Joshua hasn't given them a leader. He didn't train anyone up after him. And they're left to their own devices. And soon they forget about God. They forget about what God has done. And they're in this place. Now, when in history, when people forget about God, 
And when they turn away from God, then that's when their enemies begin to overtake them. So the enemies were overtaking the people, and the, the place was just, you know, it was just a shambles. There was armies everywhere. The Israelites were not protected by God because they'd come out from that covering, and therefore they were getting hammered. You got that? So we've done a little history lesson right there. And so then they came these ones that we call judges. And the judges were those who typically were military warriors who God sent to, again, defend and deliver the people, but they were more like military leaders. They were the judges. They came to, you know, wage war against the enemies of the Israelites and bring some sort of order and some sort of justice to the mess that was in their camp. There came a couple of men first as judges, and then the, it was still a mess. Everything's still a mess. Who, how many people know that when a house is in a mess, it's only a woman that can clean it? Is that right? When a house is in a mess, it's only... I mean, a dad can put a house in order, but a woman's the only thing can clean it. A man can build a house, but only a woman can make it a home. Is that right? And so in this mess... Some of you were sitting here today saying, what was God thinking? What was God thinking? I mean, there was armies all around the Israelites. They were surrounded. You know, things were a mess. It says in the scriptures, village life had ceased. What does it mean, village life had ceased? It says this, village life had ceased. The will of the people were broken by the ruthlessness of the Canaanite oppressors. They were suffering the consequences of their own disobedience to God. There was a vacuum of the presence of God. Does it sound similar to our own society today? Life had almost come to a standstill. Community was broken down and people remained in their homes through fear of thieves and violence. Trade and commerce had collapsed as all the trade routes were occupied by bands of outlaws. There was no children playing outside in the streets. No neighbors standing outside engaging in conversations. And in the midst of all this, the village life had ceased. And God appointed a woman, Deborah. Village life had ceased till I, Deborah, arose a mother over Israel. Deborah had the heart of a mother. This is what like primarily motivated her leadership was this heart of a mother. This this heart that that longed for her her people to come back to God, to come back into order, to have community again, to have love again, to see the children playing in the streets again, to see commerce and industry begin to flourish again in the earth. She wasn't just interested in, in, in waging war against the enemy. She was interested in establishing Israel again from a mother's heart, from a mother's perspective. Her ruling strategies and interactions with people all came from the heart of a mother. Her, her ability to persevere against all odds was rooted in her desire to nurture village life. I mean, Kay said this morning, I don't think there's anything greater than the strength of a woman to persevere persevere through all odds. I mean, there are women that are sitting in this congregation right now that I would say are heroes. 
They're heroes. They're unsung heroes. They just persevere and persevere and persevere. I mean, let alone give birth to children, which all of you should stand in awe of right now, just in the birthing process, the perseverance and the strength of a woman. <clears throat> Her prophetic insight and powerful intercession was motiva- motivated by a mother's love for legacy. See, there wasn't any legacy left by Joshua. There was no legacy. And the reason things were a mess is because there was no legacy. There'd be no legacy established. There'd be no legacy established by the other judges who had fought the wars and gone out as warriors. And I mean, you, you know, you look at Samson. I mean, he just gets the, the jawbone. Some people say it was his mother, mother-in-law's jawbone, but anyway, it's not really. I'm not going to say that. He gets the jawbone of an ass. And he and he and he, you know, he, he conquers all these enemies. I mean, they're all they're amazing. They, you know, takes the city gates down and does all these amazing exploits. But you know, at the end of the day, people didn't need exploits. They didn't need strong warriors. They needed someone who understand, who understood legacy. They they needed someone to speak into their lives again the things that God had done so that they would remember. They needed a mother's heart to lead them back to the Father and to guide them and to give them wisdom and and understanding. That they, you know, she knew if she could just turn them back to God, then God would protect them again and he would fight their wars for them. And so her heart was that of a mother of turning people back to God and bringing things back into order. And it was all about motivated by a mother's love for legacy. It is said in, uh, by scholars that she was of the tribe of Issachar. And we read in 1 Chronicles uh, 12.32 that the tribe of Issachar were men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So she had a prophetic understanding of the times that she lived in, the time that Israel was in. She understood the history of where they had come. She had knowledge of that, and she was from a tribe that were very prophetic. So it was in her makeup, it was in her DNA to actually understand the times that she lived in so she could then go to intercession to prayer and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? God, how do I lead these people as a judge? She did not see greatness in competing or bringing men down. Her leadership wasn't about, you know, yay, women's liberation, here I am, you're all suckers, you men, and I'm going to rule and reign, and I'm going to show you all how to do it. It had nothing to do with that. She was so solid in who she was as a woman of God in her own right. She She didn't need to emanate man. She didn't need to act like man or be like man or dress like man or go and fight wars, or bring out a sword. or she, she was a warrior in the spirit, and she knew who she was. And she was able to bring something with kindness and faith as she sought to be the mother of Israel. She was a giver of life. She was a nurturer of her people. Mother was the title she gave herself, but she was also a many-hatted woman. There may be women in this room today and you go, how many more hats can I wear? How can I, you know, we're there, is that right? Now I'm mum, now I'm wife, 
now I'm businesswoman, now I'm, you know, whatever it is that you have to put on. You know, there used to be a, hat, a song by, yeah, Amy Grant, thank you, Fleur, for that seasoned answer. A song by Amy Grant, hats, why do I have to wear so many hats, you know? Well, these are the hats that Deborah wore. She was, she gave herself the title of mother. She felt that was the most significant thing that describes who she was. But she was a judge. She was a leader of God's people as a judge. God had put her in place to judge the people, but she did it with a mother's heart. Everything was done with a mother's heart. She was a warrior. She, she fought battles. She called armies into place. She was a military strategist. She actually went to Barak, who was you know, the leader of the armies, and he was like sitting up by a rock, like discouraged, depressed. He had given up. He was in hopelessness. There was seemingly impossible situations all around the armies of God. And Deborah goes to Barak as a strategist, and she says, Barak, get up. How many women have to say that to their men? Get up. You know, this is the beauty of having women in our lives, gentlemen, because, you know, they don't, they're not there just to boss us around, but they are strategists, and they understand, and they have insight into what is going on in your world and how to get you out of it. And, you know, you need to listen to the women in your lives a lot more because they are being given insight by God to understand your world. And when they see you depressed, when they see you bogged down by the weight of this world, gentlemen, you, you're trying to you know, provide for the family, things aren't working, bills are piling up, you're working long hours, you don't have time, there's no time, there's no time, there's no time, and you go into that you know, man world where you just you know, get into that space where I can't do this anymore, these are impossible situations, then a woman will come alongside you and a woman will say to you, get up, get up. And he says to her, she says, you need to go to war now and God will be with you. Because she knew that she'd been putting things into place that would allow God to go with them because she was turning the hearts of the people to God. And she says, get up and God will go with you. And he says, I'm not going to go to that war unless you go with me. And I think that's the first sign that we see of men and women in ministry together, men and women you know, equally working together for the will of God on the earth. And he says, you ride in the chariot with me and I'll go because I know God will be with me if you're with me because God likes you. And I don't know if he so much likes me right now. And, uh, and she says, well, I'll, have, I'll tell you this, Barak. If I go with you, everyone will know that it's a woman that won this war. And so she stuck it to the man a little bit there. And I thought that was pretty cool. She was a warrior. She was also, so we've got, she's a judge. She's a warrior, strategist, you know, military strategist, guys. And she was a wife. How can you be a wife and a military strategist? Yeah, we're military strategists as wives anyway, honestly. Any of you have got more than one kid? and need to get them off to school in the, in the morning. And uh, you know that you're a military strategist. Uh, homework, you know, line them up, line them up, line them up. You know, lunches, line them up, line them up, line them up. You are a strategist. There's no doubt about that. She was a prophetess, and we've already discussed that, and she was a worshiper. She knew how to get in the presence of God and hear God and download from God 
what he wanted and what he wanted to do. She didn't do things just because, oh, well, I'm just a woman, I'm gifted to do this, and I'm called by God. But she knew her need of intimate times with God. She knew that she had to be in that worshipping place to hear from God, to lead her people, to lead her own children, to be a wife to her own husband. It took worship and it took prayer. And I'm speaking to the women in this house today who are married. And I'll tell you this, unless you're a worshiper and you're a prayer, your marriage may not last. And if it does last, it will be hell to live in. Because you are the one who's been given the authority as the mother of all living to bring the presence of God into your home, to bring the presence of God into your marriage, to stand as a whole woman in God's presence so that you present yourself to your husband as whole, not as someone who is needy. You need to meet my needs. You don't, you know, no man wants a needy woman that needs to meet. You need to stand whole. You're a Deborah. You're anointed by God to stand in that position and to be everything you are, but learn to worship God. So she was a judge, a warrior, a wife, a prophetess, a worshiper. She was also a dispenser and a wellspring of life because she was the mother of all living, just as we are, the mothers of all living. We must recapture and recover the ancient past of the essence, the very essence of motherhood. There are old women who can nurture young women and motherless young men. I mean, how many young men are there in the world today that really haven't had those mothers in their lives, that have not had that nurturing? How many women are there today that have not had the nurturing from their own mothers who just melt when a mother hugs them, when a mother's heart reaches out and just hugs them and they just melt and go, I just needed that so much, you know. We need to recap this. I met a lady the other night in a a local prayer meeting. By the way, there's... There is prayer going on every Tuesday night in Wyong with about 40 to 50 prayer people from all different churches every Tuesday from 7.30 to midnight. And they invited me there the other day to share a prophetic word and to pray it through with them. It was an incredible experience. And I'm telling you, these are the kind of people Jesus would hang out with. They are, they are not like the elite of the churches. They're pretty, you know, broken people that just want to pray for God to come to our land. I love it. Anyway, in this meeting, I see this woman over the side. She looked pretty, you know, like, yeah, like weather-beaten, like she'd been through a lot. And I was wondering who she was because there was a certain aura about, you know, how there's a certain thing about people, you know, I'm just wondering. And I said to Craig, who's that lady over there? This is Craig Stevens, Salvation Army, who leads the meeting, by the way. And he said, oh, that's um, so-and-so, and she runs a ministry called Rahab Ministries. And I said, oh, what's Rahab Ministries? He said, she goes every night, she goes into the brothels, and she just sits with the women and prays with them and holds them and speaks to them. And he said, in fact, the, one that, the lady that's sitting next to you, she's one of the brothel girls, and uh, she's, she's, she's bringing her back to life through loving her. And I just walked up to her and I held her hands. I said, I'm so honoured to meet such a beautiful spiritual mother in our community. And I honour you. And we had a little cry together. It was so beautiful. You know, but if you would have seen her in the street, you wouldn't have thought she was anything. But nobody knows what she's doing with a mother's love. She's going in. It's incredible. 
God designed the human nature to be nurtured. Let me say that again. God designed the human nature to be nurtured. To be nurtured by a father and a mother. The dismantling of the family unit was the beginning of the moral decline in our society. And God wants to use people like you and me to re-establish family, even if we're not blood family, but to re-establish family, to re-establish mothers and fathers, sons and daughters in the earth, to, to bring a halt to this moral decline and to bring order back to chaos and to bring identity back to many people who are confused even about their own identity in this generation. To nurture. To nurture involves the act of nursing. It means to nourish, to further de the development of. And any woman who's breastfed in this, uh, in this house would know that's, you know, to hold a child and to give them your life source so that they can be nurtured, that they can have further development through your milk, through your nourishment. That's what we all have that gift of doing. We have that gift of nurturing and nourishing and bringing people back to life through the very source of our lives, which is Christ Jesus. I believe we need to redeem and esteem the essence of the nurturer in our culture. Many in this generation suffer from unnurtured nature, unnurtured nature, which leads to lack of identity. Yeah? I was speaking to a lady yesterday on the phone, a beautiful lady in our community who has, she has many preschools across the coast, Christian preschools, and she is saying that, you know, God is calling her to move outside of ministering to Christian children, and she has come, come uh, it's come to, I don't know if she purchased it or someone gave it to her, a whole property at Kalnara, which she is turning into a, a retreat for children and families where they can go and naturally find Jesus Christ without the jargon of church, without the language that we use, without all the, you know, coming into a church, I don't even know what this means. But she's building a retreat up there where she's going to do, well, she has done, started already doing retreats for children, children that are really in broken families, where she can just pour love out on, the team can pour love out on these kids. She said, I want them to have an encounter with Jesus Christ that changes their lives forever. I don't want to just teach them something. I want them to feel something. I want them to know him. I want them to be nurtured by his love. I want to nurture them back to life. And then I'm going to do um, uh, school for parents so they can come in and they can learn about what's happened to their children. Why are their children changed? What are they experiencing? I mean, I just, I just celebrate that. There is a mother's heart in the community that's making a difference. You know, there's women in this church right now, you know, Ali, out there in the community, you know, with a charity, feeding the poor and, and looking after people, apart from what she does in this church with her women's ministry and her connect groups. I mean, we need to celebrate that mother's heart. I mean, Alana, you know, looking after the Yars community like a mother with a mother's heart. She hasn't had children yet. Everyone would say she doesn't know how to nurture. I'm telling you, it's in our blood. It's in our nature. It's in us. We know how to nurture society. We know how to bring things in order and bring a mother's heart to every situation. 
Amen. So you don't have to have children to be a mother, is what I'm saying. <clears throat> and as I said before, you know, during Deborah's reign as judge, there had been other judges before her and there were other judges after her, but they were all military people. Amen. The common thread that was with the other judges is they would say, the spirit of the Lord came upon me and I was able to do great exploits, amen? But when it, when it came through Deborah, when God revealed himself through Deborah, it speaks of prophetic influence and motherly advice. It didn't mean that she was less authoritative. I'm just going to go... I'm just going to go back, sorry. By appointing a woman to lead Israel at this point in the history of Judges, God wanted his people to be exposed to a motherly, feminine influence. This didn't mean that she was weaker or less authoritative. It simply means that her leadership was delivered in a different way. You know, we know there's many names for God, but one, God, one name for God is El Shaddai, and they said that Deborah revealed the El Shaddai of God which is mighty and powerful, yet loving and nourishing. Wow. Mighty and powerful, yet loving and nourishing. And that's the spirit of the Deborah reveals the El Shaddai of God. Deborahs will be gentle in disposition when dealing with the broken and the bruised and the battered, but they will have fists of steel when dealing with the enemies of God. Modern-day Deborahs will be women after God's own heart who will lead a generation to stand for God's ways of righteousness in the midst of a wicked and a perverse generation. You know, the place where Deborah met with people, if you haven't heard about Deborah, she would, there was a palm tree that she would meet with people and she would give advice, she would give wisdom, she would bring justice, she would solve disputes. She would, it was like this place where people came to meet with her so that she could solve all these disputes. And the place where that palm tree was was right in the middle of two places. It was in the middle of Rama and Bethel. Rama meaning the place of idolatry and Bethel meaning the house of God. And as women of God, we stand between those two places. We stand between the place of idolatry, where we know that people are being beat up by the enemy, where we know that they are without God, without protection, that they are exposed to the elements, that they're part of a perverse generation. And as women, we stand in the middle and we draw them in through wisdom, through nurture, through love, through advice, through being you know, warriors of justice. I mean, how many women in this congregation alone do you know that stand for justice and say, this is not right, this is unjust. As you're worshipping these idols, as you're in this place of idolatry, you're being beat up. This is unjust. You don't deserve this. You deserve to come with me. Let me lead you to the way and let me take you to the house of God, to Bethel where you can be at peace, where you can be protected, where you can be loved, where you can be you know, brought back to the original design that you were supposed to be in God. Amen? Yeah. Um, these women have an anointing to reach the human heart and cause it through nurturing, mentoring, and training and discipleship to be matured and purified. 
Deborah was a wife, mother, intercessor, prophetess. She was also a judge, a national deliverer. This is not a bad resume for a a middle-aged woman living in an oppressive Middle Eastern culture. A middle-aged woman in an oppressive Middle Eastern culture. She carried a great resume, and so do all of us. No matter what we're living in, no matter how hard you think it is, no matter what the situation looks like, you need to arise as a mother over your situations, over your households, over your workplaces, over any place where you find yourself. These are keys to activating the Deborah anointing. Number one, intercessor. Develop an ear to hear the Lord through a very close relationship with him and then pray about the things that he shows you. You know, oftentimes as women, as mothers over the earth, we sense things, we feel things, we sense a lot, we feel a lot. You know, we cry over ads, we cry over movies, we cry over everything. We're emotional beings and we feel a lot. But very rarely do we take what we feel and those emotions that we have and we unlock them and unleash them to God and bring them into the presence of Almighty God where the King of kings and the Lord of lords can bring order to all that chaos, to all that pain and suffering and download wisdom, knowledge, and revelation into the heart of a woman where she can bring that through her mouth. The mouth that is sweet of Deborah, they say that the mouth of Deborah was like honey. It was like honey that was dripping and it was sweet and it was pure. It was never rough, it was never loud, it was never demanding its own way. It came with wisdom and knowledge and strength, but it was sweet. So an intercessor developing the ear to, to hearing these things and seeing these things because all women are going to feel and see and many men will too. I know there's many men that are intercessors and prayers and seers and, uh, and men of God in this house. We hear, we see, we feel, but we need to learn to take that to God, pray it through and find solutions rather than just wearing it all, wearing it. Katie, Katie, you know, that's what you've got to learn to do. You know, as women of God, like you are such a a mother and you just like grab everything and pull it into your bosom. You grab everything that's around you and pull it into your bosom as a mother, you know, and you worry about everybody and you just love everybody. And unless you find that place of the intercessor, of going to the Lord and taking the baggage off and giving the burden to God, it will crush you. We need to know as women how to give these things to God, how to intercede for our children. You know, many people say to me, how did you raise such four incredible daughters? And, you know, I just say, oh, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, because I didn't know how to do it. I was a first-generation Christian coming from, a, you know, a, a generations of stuff and I, and I stood in the gap and I said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, but I don't really know how I'm doing this and I don't know how to raise godly children because no one taught me. And like Deborah, you know, there was, there was this legacy that she wore over and I warred over that legacy over my children. To this day, I still war for my grandchildren because that's my place. And, and you say, how did you raise such great children? I say, prayer, 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 prayer. God, wisdom, prayer, God, wisdom, prayer. Knowing when to shut up, knowing when to speak, knowing when to lead, knowing when to let them go. 
wisdom, prayer that comes from intercession and intimacy with God. Number two, she was a judge. So I'm asking you to develop a love and compassion for people to whom you are sent. Don't judge people like a judge. Don't see people's circumstances and judge them. That is not the, 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 the nature of the judge that is God's judge. The nature of the judge that is God's judge is to see the situations that people are in. Look deeply into their heart with a mother's eyes. Look deeply into who they are. And then say, with the wisdom of God, I judge this in your life to be not of God. I judge this to be unjust. You don't judge the person, you judge what's coming against them and around them and what has caused them to be the way they are and you draw them to Bethel. You draw them to the house of God. You draw them to the presence of God. You draw them into relation. Deborah, Deborah would sit patiently under a palm tree mediating and bringing order to disputes and justice to the lives of of many people. She was a prophetess. So operate in heavenly dimensions of wisdom and revelation. You have it inside of you, ladies. It's inside of us. Why can't we, op- do we, do we have to be named a prophetess to actually move in discernment, wisdom, revelation, intuition? It's in there. I want to say, Beck Toko, there is such a prophetic intuition inside of you. There is such wisdom and revelation inside of you. And, and God wants you to bring it out more and more and more and be confident in who you are as a woman. You are made like that. It's not something that you tack on later. They go, okay, I think I have the gift of a prophet. You know, yes, we get gifts. But as women, as I've read in Scripture, we've been made with this stuff inside of us already. This is our DNA. We're prophetic. We're revelatory. You know, we have, we have wisdom and understanding. We have intuition, and we need to use it, ladies. We need to tap into it and begin to use it. Amen. It was as if God had placed a spiritual compass inside of Deborah. Anyone feel like in this room today that, that you get spiritual compasses inside you? It's like that way, you know, and uh, and that's what it's like. It's like you know, it's like God shows you true north. And men, listen to your wives and listen to the women in your lives when they say, my spiritual compass says go this way. You know, obviously they make mistakes, but, you know, listen to them because you don't really know if they're hearing the compass of heaven, especially if they've been in the presence of the Lord. Amen. When we first went into ministry, we were prophesied over and it was the first time I'd ever heard the word prophet. And, you know, this man spoke over me. Not just yet, Jill, thanks. Just a minute, please. I'll get you up in just a sec. Thanks. Strategically, I want to get you up at a time. There was this man who spoke over us, and, you know, it's the first time he said, you know, you're prophetic. And I thought, what the heck is that? And he said to Phil, you need to listen to your wife. It's not just some women's intuition. She's going to save you a lot of grief if you listen to her. So let's listen to the prophetesses, gentlemen, and let's release that gift. Number four, mother. Deborah's unique maternal leadership style extended from the, from the common, listen to this, her leadership style extended from the common to the commonwealth. She had a gathering grace that caused men, women, commanders and rulers to voluntarily enlist in the army of God. So we've got influence, ladies. 
We know that when we, we, we ate the apple and we said, Adam, why don't you just eat it? We have influence. So let's use that influence to really stir up all those things around us and bring them into alignment for the kingdom of God. Number five, she's a deliverer and a strategist. Deborah called Barak to war against the insurmountable odds. Deborah will pray for divine strategies. So you need to pray for divine strategies in your lives, in your works, what you're doing. You know, with the youth, Rach, make sure you're praying divine strategies as you lead and mother a whole generation in there. Number six, agitator. She, she stirred up conversations. We need to stir up conversations that bring about change and awareness. And there's many people, many ladies that have that sense of justice within. I think Jessica is one of those. You know, I always used to say to Jessica, you should have been a lawyer, Jessie, because she's so good at bringing a case forward. Um, there's something inside of Jessica that wants justice. There's others. I know there's others in this room where I want justice. Lorraine, you're probably like that too. You want justice, you know. There's an incredible woman named Christine Kane. Who knows Christine Kane? Yeah. I mean, she had already established a great ministry across the earth. I mean, she was preaching alongside Joyce Meyer. She didn't really need to step out and do anything else. She had preaching engagements everywhere. She was already famous as a preacher. She had money. She had fame. She had everything she needed. But she with a heart of justice that was inside of her. She saw the sex slavery that's happening in the world and said, I'm going to do something about it. All the money that I'm getting from preaching and all this stuff, I'm going to sew it in to releasing women from sex slavery. And she is absolutely incredible, a voice for justice. She agitates conversations that make change happen. And there's women in this room that are like that today. The Worshipping Warrior. There's a song, I'm nearly finished, there's a song that, that I've been listening to uh, from one of the Bethel ladies, and it says, I'll sing my way back to you. And I think of my Aboriginal culture, you know. In the Aboriginal culture, if, if someone was going walkabout, uh, whoever was in the camp would say, I'll sing, I'll sing you back to me. I'll sing you back to me. So that if they got lost on their walkabout, there would be a voice in the camp that was singing that they could hear that voice and they know where home is. And I just think that with God, I think that with God, with worship, you know, that we need, to, we need to sing our way back to God a lot of the time. We need to get into that place of worship where we remember where home is and we sing our way back to God and back to his presence. Worship is the greatest source of strength. Deborah demonstrates the possibilities that can happen through any woman today who will allow the spirit of God to fill and form her life for kingdom purposes. This is my question to you as ladies today, and I hope that every man is in support of this. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to shape and mould you into a leader? Whatever the level of authority or capacity. And I wonder if I could just have Jeff playing acoustic guitar for the moment, please, because I want Julie to be a part of this. Thank you, Lord. Will you be trained in intercession and activated in the prophetic to hear and release the word of the Lord? Whatever your sphere of influence, at your job, in your home, at your church, in your community, will you stand for what is just and stand against injustice in all its forms? I just wonder if all the ladies could stand right now in the congregation. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to come and fill the altar, all the ladies.
Just come and stand on the altar. Just move forward so everybody... And we're going to say a prayer of declaration together as women to close this service today. And I wonder if all the men could stand and extend their arms to the women in support and covering as they actually say this prayer together. Thank you, Lord. And we're going to put a prayer up on the screen right now, a prayer of declaration. And I want us all to just pray this through together and declare it this morning. So just close your eyes while I pray before we go there. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you would unlock the hearts of these women, that you would unlock the Deborah inside each one of them, that you would unlock the mother of all living in every heart that stands on this altar and those that are not here this morning, those that are in the children's ministry, downstairs, God, we ask that as they hear this podcast that you would unlock their hearts to stand in all that you have for them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay, let's just pray this prayer together. You ready? Let's pray it as if we really, really mean it. Here we go. Ready? All together, ladies. Lord, come on. Lord, I pray that you will awaken me to the call you have on my life. Remove the bondage of fear from my heart and mind. Let your wisdom and courage rest upon me. Awaken me from slumber. I lose myself from passivity and apathy. I thank you, Lord, that you are an extraordinary God and you will accomplish extraordinary things through me. I release myself from self-imposed limitations. I break every limitation that the enemy has put on my life. No longer will I be trapped by the traditions and opinions of men. For I was created for greatness. I was created to be God's glory carrier throughout the earth. I will arise and be radiant with the glory of the Lord. I will be a beaming lighthouse of hope for many who sit in darkness. Lord, give me your words of wisdom that will guide and influence many. I will not let past failures and disappointments keep me silent. The words that I speak will release life to a hurting generation. I am not in this world by chance. I stir up the Deborah anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. And if I can have the rest of the worship team, just the band, just, just the band, just the other guys, not the ladies, sorry. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, come, Lord. Release. Gentlemen, will you begin to pray for these ladies? Just begin to release something over them. Begin to intercede for these women to arise and to all that God has given them in the name of Jesus Christ. enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.